0: Welcome to The Confidence Project. My name is Liam and I have made it my mission to skyrocket your confidence across body, mind and everything in between. I want this podcast to inspire you so that you have the self-belief and motivation to become the best version of yourself. Thank you so much for listening and embarking on what's going to be an incredible journey for the both of us. Let's take you from where you are now to where you want to be. Team! Thank you, as always, for tuning in to another episode. I'm absolutely buzzing to be here once again, and you guys listening to this means the world. Now, we have our very, very first guest ever on this podcast that's not a client, um, and this is somebody who I knew we just had to get onto the podcast straight away. This is somebody who I feel like everybody should know, um, and I don't want to do this man an injustice. I want him to introduce himself and just tell the people what he's capable of, because everyone needs to know him so My friend, over to you. Who are you and what do you offer to the world?
1: Hey guys, uh, nice to meet you. Yeah, so thanks for that intro, mate, and appreciate you having me on. Um, So I'm Yoni Sharp, I'm the pain-free coach. Um, I've been in the fitness industry for about almost 10 years now. And initially I went through my own uh, weight loss transformation, uh, losing about 46 kilos or so. Um, I put on a lot of weight and kind of let myself standards fall a lot. And so my journey was coming back from that. But as I was going through the journey, my older brother was a sports therapist and I was so interested in that kind of injury related stuff. So I got more into the injury stuff. Um, But while I was losing the weight, so I was actually in the fitness industry as an overweight coach. And it was a real kind of experience going through that. And that kind of does almost put me in a lot of my clients' shoes as you go through the journey because losing that sort of weight and knowing the emotional and kind of like physical struggles that come along with that, and then you pick up an injury on top of that, and it's one of it. It can be so demoralising because you so often people try and go from naught to hundred and then pick up injuries and things like that, and then their momentum is like slashed in half and they have to start again. So, um, yeah, so I'm a sports therapist (laughs) going off track. Uh, But yeah, I'm a sports therapist, uh, strength and conditioning coach, um, medical acupuncturist. I've got all the tickets. I've been in the industry for a while. Um, And ultimately, my goal now is to help people get in shape and feel like they have a robust body for years to come but the most important thing is to prevent injuries and overcome injuries so that they can stay uh, on track to their goals for years to come type thing.
0: Oh man, that is absolutely incredible. I really, really appreciate that. And I love that actually you've been through it to then obviously help empathize and resonate with your clients. Um, And I feel like, it, I feel like there should be more people like you who, who actually label themselves as pain free because I think everyone's maybe got a stake to that claim. But for you to actually say, I am the pain-free coach, I think really, really will be an attractive feature for you. So I guess a really obvious question is, what makes you the pain-free coach? Is it because you've been through it and done it? Is it because you've got a heck of a CV? Or I guess what
1: separates from you from the rest is what I'm really trying to get to. I think, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head with regards to the empathy side. So um, obviously, like, I've, I've worked with top, top athletes. I've worked with the Kenyan running team. I've worked with the Japanese rugby team. I've worked with top-level athletes. But no matter what stage you're at, the principles are the same. And it's the same, really, when it comes to weight loss. Whatever you do daily equates to a bigger picture. And so if you're consistently sitting at your desk and not moving much – if you're consistently training heavy and hard and increasing your volume, but you're not putting the recovery work in, um, that is going to lead you down a path of your muscles get too tight. And then all of a sudden you do some one thing that your body couldn't handle and it, and it kind of snaps. So from that side of things, um, the, the injury side of things, obviously, um, I've got all the badges all the qualifications and I've I've been seeing people for like a long period of time which is pretty cool but it's now making it into a way where where everybody understands it yes because so often it's like I've got this injury and I feel broken and then they feel so afraid and they have emotions around it and they don't know whether they can come back to it and so many people have written themselves off from doing things like running like playing football again like Playing tennis again, whatever it might be, they've written themselves off. And obviously, it's my goal to bridge the gap between saying, "Look, I know you're injured. You're injured, but this is an opportunity for you to come back stronger from this injury." Because an injury is your body's signalling that there is some kind of weakness that needs addressing. But this is where I stand out from the rest. Is a physio will say, "Let's deal with. Let's deal with the." Or like the symptoms okay you have this knee pain let's go to the knee pain and fix it right and release the tension around the knee pain but what i like to do is go okay what caused the knee pain okay there's a uh, there's no activation in your left glute there's instability here there's instability there and there's your lifestyle choices and then my goal is to build it all together into okay if you sleep better, if you recover better, if you eat better, your body is going to be stronger, which means you're going to get fatigued less, which means you're going to pick up less injuries, and let's also deal with the muscle imbalances. So it's everything in one place rather than just go, let's fix the injury, then you go back, you get injured again. Well, that's that's useless.
0: Mate, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. And, and what I've even personally found is you almost get stuck on like I guess a revolving door, you know, I I go see a physio once a month um, who will then, you know, flush out whatever's going on inside. And I know if I miss a month, I feel a bit bad for it, but actually doing the shit stuff nobody wants to do, the stretches and stuff, actually is the thing that helps. And I love that you're almost getting to the root of the problem. You go in another layer of the onion, which I think a lot of people struggle to do. So, one thing I really want to ask you, and I hope clients listening to this, is obviously if you prescribe an exercise, we know that the physio stuff gets put on the back burner. How can you get people to do the exercises that they don't really want to do and stop them just going into the gym and just slamming the heavy weights around? How do you get them to, to eat, okay. them, eat their vegetables in the, in the, yeah. uh, in the physio world? If I you
1: mean, want. personally, and you might want to put some of this into your own programming, personally, with my programming, I put their stretches, their mobility and their flexibility work and activation exercise into the program. So it's not like, oh, I better do this on top. No, it's inside the program and you need to go through the steps. So that's one thing I do on that side of things. But the way I say it to my clients when they come in to see me for treatments is you cannot expect me to fix you in one hour out of however many hours are in between there. Yes, like there are so many hours where you're making like there's so much pressure that you're putting on that position, and obviously, any issue that you can that a physio can deal with pretty much, or a sports therapist or a chiropractor, you can deal with yourself at home by either uh, flossing a nerve, so doing exercises that desensitize a nerve, um, st- stabilizing areas. So if for instance you mentioned something about like knee pain when running and things like that right so the more stable your hinges of the body so like your glutes your core um and all of those sorts of things the more stable and activated they are the less pressure the knees have to do and the ankles have to do as an example but then obviously you have to take into consideration there might also be ankle a lack of ankle flexibility which can cause the knee not to then track properly and things like that but most of the time it comes down to the hips not being activated enough because we spend too long sitting down and our glutes don't get enough blood flow, so they turn off. And then the hamstrings and the glutes take over and then that puts pressure on the knees and then you go around in that sort of circle.
0: Mate, it's so interesting how it all connects and how you've just framed it like that. And and yeah, it is super important. So for anybody listening to this and they've got an injury, like you said, a knee pain, would you say it's far more important for them to do the the exercises as opposed to going to see a physio, a chiropractor, acupuncture, cupping, whatever else sort of is the latest trend. Would you say that actually forget all that for a little bit and we actually just need to get you moving and, and get into the root of the
1: problem? Yeah, mate, because look at it. If let's say you had a client and they were great with their nutrition on one day a week, one day every two weeks, yeah. They would not see results. No, you're right. It's the same with injuries. If you go and see a physio and they give you exercises, you never do them.
0: It's always the case, isn't it? It's always
1: yeah. the case. right? So, so building your rehab stuff, building your stretching. As an example, when I wake up in the morning, I have to do, before I can have a coffee in the morning, which is one of my favorite things to do in the morning, I have to do 15 minutes of recovery work whether that be getting a tennis ball and putting it into the tight areas of my body, whether that be mobility, whether that be stretching. Like when I was like 28, 20, like in my twenties, I could get away with it, but now I can't. The amount I'm training, I have to make sure that I get my mobility and my stretching and things like that. And even now, like I still have shoulder issues from playing tennis and my lower back's been playing up a little bit this week. But then it's understanding about, like, imagine if I wasn't doing that daily stuff, like I'd probably be in a position where I'd have really bad nerve issues or whatever. Um, whereas right now, it's like, because I do those things daily and I don't actually go and get treatment myself since I've moved to Holland, I haven't found anybody that I trust yet. Um but I do obviously do my the work on my on my body myself, so I'm always always managing it, which is something that I help my clients to do because they're always going to have injuries, they're always going to have niggles, and obviously saying that you I'm the pain-free coach, as much as like you're going to spend a lot of your time pain-free, you're never going to be completely pain-free. Yeah, so it is about managing that. Yeah, yeah, managing the injuries and, and the weaknesses.
0: Yeah, and, and I would imagine, you know, your training frequency is, is, you know, quite up there, really. Would you say that your the frequency of your training should mirror how much mobility work you're doing? Hypothetically, if you are training in the gym five times a week, should you be doing almost five plus times of mobility work or, you know, like I say, I know it's a daily thing for you, but yeah, if I have, if I have somebody who's a little bit more generic coming in and they're training once, twice in the gym... Would you say that once a week um, a 15-minute mobility sort of session will tick that box, or would you say, look, this needs to be done daily in order for you to really yeah. see the results?
1: I think it really depends on the on the individual. So let's say you've got somebody who's on their feet all day, every day, right? and they're a teacher or whatever, right? They're moving all the time. I've got a few teachers. Then you need to prescribe them different things. So the teachers who I have in, they're moving all the time. They don't need mobility. What they need is they need to get a tennis ball into specific areas to release it to make sure that they, when they go into their runs and when they go into their training, that they're activated and the tight spots are released a little bit. So that's what I would prescribe them. If somebody is sat behind a desk, then they have to get moving. And what I like to do is I, I if you go onto my Instagram, literally pain-free coach, there are some – desk mobility movements that you can do at your desk uh like literally just like moving your shoulders um and like you know like stretches like this there's a couple of back stretches on there so it's about continuing blood flow so like ideally in an ideal world you wouldn't want to sit for any longer than an hour you'd get up and you'd move and whatever but we can't all be in that position like sometimes even for me i'm sat here for like three hours getting stuff done because i'm like in the zone right um So then it's a case of setting an alarm for every hour. So then you can do a couple of stretches at your desk while you're carrying on thinking about things or writing things. Um, And it's just that consistency over time. It's like, you know, volume with the nutrition and volume with your training. It's just about fitting in your rehab stuff around your life because I've been in the industry for a long time. And I know that if I give people stuff to do that's like on top of everything they're already doing, they're, just don't have the time to do it
0: yeah of course and i think you know that, that idea of consistency buddy is is oh it's always going to be key isn't it and if, and if people can almost create those non-negotiables like yourself those 15 minutes a day then they will really really see a difference now i found it really interesting that obviously you've just said you moved to holland um am i right in thinking you were based in brighton previously that that area yeah um, how how do you work with people? Are you more in person? Are you strictly online? And I just I wanted to sort of itch, you know, beneath the surface a little bit because obviously if if I was uh, one of your clients and I'm obviously based in in West Yorkshire, how would it all work? How would you know that I'm recovering as as best as possible? Is it a case of you've got to take my word for it? Would I would you send me videos? Like I guess because obviously I go see a physio, they know I'm. Maybe not feeling as tight, for instance. Like, how do you give that same experience?
1: Yeah, I think you go by feel a lot of the time. And uh, so, essentially, when somebody says, "Okay, I want your help online," when it comes to injuries, we do a full assessment. So we do, okay, where's your lack of range of motion? Where's your, uh, where's your weaknesses? Where's your strengths? Like, for instance, you know, can you do a pistol squat? Can you do? Uh, can I watch you do a squat from the side? Can you lift your arms up and do a squat? Most people can't because their thoracic mobility isn't good enough. So their upper back mobility isn't good enough. And that is one of the biggest causes to lower back issues and shoulder issues is the lack of flexibility in the upper back means that let's say your postures like this and you're trying to do a shoulder press. That's that um, shaves away all of the stuff in the shoulder because it should be here. And here, so everything should be in the right position. And that's the same when you're doing squats. It's the same when you're doing, you know, any movement really in the gym. If you can't get that thoracic mobility up, then you're in the wrong position for each and every lift and the back takes too much pressure, et cetera. Um, So to answer your question, we would do an assessment. We would work out what weaknesses they have, so what muscle balances uh, they have or what needs to be worked on. And then they get set their programs and their stretch routines and things like that on my app. And when they do the work, do the work on the app, it gets ticked off and that sends me free notifications and things like that. Pretty much the same as what you would have. And then every month we reassess the movements. And then you have an idea of, okay, thoracic mobility is looking good. But the truth is you judge it by pain levels. Yeah. if you're let's say you're you're in the gym and you're like oh my shoulder man it's really pissing me off like every time i do bench it's okay cool let's work on your thoracic mobility let's work on getting those scapulas pulled together and bang and then you're like oh mate i'm lifting so much more there's no pain okay cool that's a win yes do you know what I me
0: mean? mate I, I know exactly what you mean and, and actually i felt like you were talking to me directly for the other, <laughs> You know, I'm I'm sat here with rounded shoulders into this microphone. I can feel my left shoulder niggling. I thought, oh God, sign me up and I need it. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's something Dan Reeves being on to me about, you know, this idea of um better posture. And he's had me doing the dumbbell windmills, etc., which I've actually just posted on my Instagram story. And, nice. and I do feel better if obviously, you know, strengthening that that muscle and then actually being like almost in myself. You know, when you eat good food and you feel better in yourself, like I feel like I'm doing a little yeah. bit of hard work. and I think that's something that everyone should take something from. Actually, you know, if you can put up with 10, 15 minutes of just doing the stretches, you will feel so much better in yourself. And actually, over Christmas, I've obviously maybe um, put that on the back burner. And and one thing I can't do, I'm gesturing into the microphone like everyone can see me. I know you can see me, but I, I can't press in a, a pronated grip Um so yeah. it's like a barbell because it, my shoulder's just knackered really so i've always gone neutral um because again bad posture tightness i I almost ended up having a spasm a minute over christmas just i did a quick workout pronated press and literally my shoulders hasn't been right for the last month and i know that's a because obviously i've been a bit silly with it but b i've not been doing my stretches and and it just goes to show what the consequence is but that leads me on to what i want to ask you next like If somebody doesn't do what you prescribe them or just generally, you know, what is the consequence down the line of not taking
1: this stretching and mobility seriously? Well, firstly, I want to say none of us can ever be perfect. Um, And it's about consistency over time. If you struggle, you bounce back. It's the same with nutrition. You're gonna have weeks where you over consume on calories, but it's about your ability to look at that and go, okay, what can I now do better this coming week? And that's something big inside our program that we really focus on. How can you improve one to 2% each and every week so that over time you're getting better and it's that compounding interest, right? So you have a bank account with a hundred quid in it and you leave it, it's never gonna get bigger. but You keep putting one, five, six, 10, 20 quid in there you leave it for a few months and all of a sudden you've got a few grand so it's about it's the same when it comes to that rehab stuff it's that compounding interest the same with nutrition um and that's the only way to to become that most improved player in your own world which is something that i'm really big on is like not aiming for perfection not aiming to be the best at everything but just looking to improve over time and I've completely forgotten what the question was now.
0: <laughs> Honestly, man, no,
1: no idea. I, oh, what was the
0: consequence of um, maybe not doing it later down the line? You know, yeah. If I don't do my shoulder stretching at the moment, in five yeah. ten years, will that have a, a huge detrimental
1: effect on me, or is it more subjective? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, prevention's better than cure, obviously. So being consistent with it. And like you said, like with after Christmas, you, you were in, I, my body felt like absolute crap after Christmas because oh. I, I just went right holiday. See you later. I didn't do any of my mo- morning mobility. I was sleeping at my sister's house on a blow up mattress in, in Brighton and everything was just, and I got back and it took me at least a week of getting back into my routine to get my body back. And so the long-term effects of obviously um, not turning up and doing the daily things is your posture will become more rounded, which will put more pressure on your lower back, which will therefore create long-term damage in the vertebra. And there's lots of different things you can do there. Like as an example, if you don't build strong glutes and activate those um, and offset the fact you're sitting for long periods, then everything kind of gets a little bit weaker and the knees get, you know, damaged and things like that. They get pulled out of position, which means they're not then tracking properly. So there's obviously a lot, obviously I don't want to scare people, but like it's just about doing the small things consistently and you don't need to be perfect at it. But um, and obviously if you've got a specific injury or or there's, you know, there are a lot of things you can do with a tennis ball, which is something that I put up on, on our group a lot. As like how to release your shoulder. i actually filmed a video uh, on that, on how to release your shoulder with a tennis ball. I'm going to be sharing it like anyone on my Instagram. So, um, you know, I'm happy to share it with your guys as well. It's not the best video in the world, but it shows me just loosening off my own shoulder with a tennis ball. And there's obviously pec minor, um, subscapularis, infraspinatus, and the traps. So every area of the shoulder, so then you can get more range of motion through the shoulder, and like almost treat your own shoulder. Um, It's something I don't think enough physios and sports therapists show people how to actually keep up. Like for me, if I've seen somebody for three treatments and they're not any better, I will be pretty upset about that. For me, I've got a strike record of seeing people in three treatments, giving them a rehab plan in between, and then they're fixed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that. <laughs> yeah, like I, because I, I hate taking people's money and not getting results. It's my biggest thing. I absolutely hate. So, um, so yeah. Oh man, man I really, I really like that. And like you say, that then holds people
0: accountable to it. And and yeah, mate, If obviously any any videos you do send, you'd be willing to send over. I'm sure the guys would really, really appreciate that. Um, and like you mentioned, shoulders are like you know obviously there. For anyone listening you see a lot of people with rounded shoulders would you say that there is there is a cure for that you know people who have been in desk jobs for 10 20 years just by let's say getting a tennis ball will that actually help them with better posture um you know help yeah. them down the line or or is there a
1: little bit more to that uh there, there is is a bigger picture so like let's say you take a shoulder right you need to be consistent with the stretching. You need to get that mind-muscle connection with regards to, okay, I'm going to do this stretch, which is going to get me into this position more. I'm going to tuck my chin in, which is going to undo the thing of us looking down at our phone. Um, And I'm going to be, and I'm going to get a tennis ball in, in the pec minor, which is going to, because obviously pec minor causes this. Yeah. Um, And then infraspinatus causes a dropping of the shoulder. So, Releasing those is going to be really important. Releasing the top of the trap, because obviously when the top of the trap's tight and the pec minor's tight, you get this. Yes. And so releasing those would be great to give the shoulder space so that the, the stretches can then be more effective. But then it does come into being consistent with it. Um, And like, for instance, I had a client who um, came to me about four weeks ago And we did it all online. And it was literally, right, here's a tennis ball. Here's what I want you to do. And I want you to do that on a daily basis. Here's your stretches. And you're going to do this around. And here's your activation exercises before you then go into your shoulder workouts and your upper body workouts, et cetera. And his shoulder started like this, literally like that. It was like so crooked and forward. And now it's back and almost completely level in four weeks. That's amazing yeah so and it's just about obviously there's a lot of trial and error so we have to have a lot back and forth and things like that and obviously finding out okay cool we've released that muscle but it's still not working boom 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 so let's try release the lat you know okay cool the lat's released now it's come so it's just about that trial and error type thing yeah Um, yeah. being consistent
0: no i'm I'm with you and do you find that um clients will ever be stubborn and almost try convince themselves they're okay or, or fight through the pain, whereas in reality, they just need to accept that go. they need to maybe go one step back and go lighter weights, more stretching in order to go further forward. Do, do you ever find that in your case? Because, you know, I, I know a lot of our guys will almost um, <laughs> just try, just almost not fake it till you make it, but, you know, they'll just and then and they won't want to accept that maybe they've got to do a little bit of stretching or, you know, something along those lines or do the, the yeah. mobility work. Do you find that stubbornness ever plays a factor?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, especially with the running.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes.
1: Now obviously I, I I've got pre-running activation workouts and things like that, which people use, but it's the mileage. Like, you know, there's one one lady, she has severe sciatic pain like severe sciatic pain when she first came to me about a year ago. She could barely walk down the street. She was having to take off time off work, whatever. Sciatic pain is essentially lower back pain, runs down the leg and causes a lot of nervy pain. And over the last year, she's lost three stones. She's um, completely sort of transformed her body. Um, She feels so much stronger and more robust. And she was like, right, I want to start running. I was like, cool, yeah. Yeah. Because this is what my program is all about. It's like phase one: get out of pain, lose some weight, build some fantastic habits. Phase two: enjoy that, thrive, continue to build, continue to uh, stay consistent. Phase three is do something that scares you, that you've always put off, that you could you thought you could never do again. And she's now in that phase three. And so, anyway, long story short, she was she was doing great. around five, she was running five k. And then yesterday, a few days ago, she messaged me through the, her time. I was like, "What are you doing nine k for?" Yeah, oh, mate. Wow, how good is that? But luckily, no injury. But that's what I mean. Like sometimes they get carried away, and they're like, "No, yeah. no you could undo the whole year that we've just done yeah. in, in that." Yeah. But luckily, she she's fine, you know. But but that's the sort of thing I struggle yeah. with. Is when you get the mileage up too quickly.
0: Oh, she's, she's channelled her inner David Goggins there, hasn't she? Just gone. Yeah. Oh man, I, I I love that, and we have a lot of people who, who are runners, um, which I'll, I'll come to later. On the back of that, have you got any? Um, I guess what's your best success story off the top of your head? You know, based on someone who's had a real big injury or can't do something to then go and achieve something—is there anything that comes to mind?
1: I've got two got two people who who I love this sort of. The first one is, um, she. Uh, a different lady to the one i just spoke to about she had severe sciatic pain to the point where she couldn't walk for more than five minutes without being in pain um and we worked together completely online um tennis ball work on the on the piriformis glute work she couldn't afford to see a physiotherapist all the time so working with me online was a much more affordable thing for her to do. And so, because I helped her with every angle. So she lost 10 kilos, which took pressure off the issues. She, um, she had 10 times more energy because she got the nutrition sorted. Um, and then her lifestyle habits took pressure off the injury. And so she went from not being able to walk more than five minutes to nine months later, she hiked the three peak challenge. Wow in remembrance to for her granddad who she had done the hike with years before but she was so afraid that she could never do it and her granddad passed away and it was just incredible that was probably the best story
0: yeah yeah I mean and and from your point of view that must be so rewarding And I guess that's why you're you're in the job and doing exactly what you're doing but what what an achievement I mean oh it's incredible Oh, there's, there's no words there. That, that oh man, I'm absolutely buzzing for you both, really. It's so, it's so nice to hear that. Um, and yeah, mate, I'm, I'm just so pleased for you in that sense. So, I, we, we're we on to the question section now, really, Yoni, mate. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I had a couple from clients, like I said, I've, I've tried to sort of condense them, um, because like I said, a lot of them overlap. Um, and then I've got two from myself, really. Um That's- so. There's a lot of running now, nowadays. All the events seems to be quite, you know, running-based. People are doing 5, 10, 15, 20Ks, half marathons, yeah. and so on and so forth. And I, I understand that this will be subjective, but we have a client who is um, – she's actually gone from doing, like, half marathons to marathons, now ultra marathon. Basically, lives and breathes running. Um, yeah. But there's always a problem. It's always her feet, her lower back, hips – knees running up or downhill. Now, I've thrown a lot at you there, but based on that, do you have any sort of specific tips, whether it's to alleviate pain in her feet, whether it's the knees, whether it's the hips? And obviously, I appreciate you don't know her, nor can you see her. But based on that, is there anything that you can
1: say, look, this is what I'd be doing in order to help? Okay, so I'll tell you a story, right? So Cristiano Ronaldo, he paints his nails on his hands and his feet black. Because they're less likely to crack, yeah. which means that he's less likely to adjust the way he moves okay. in order to avoid pain. Yeah, yeah. Break broken tendons, etc., and that massively lowers the risk of injury.
0: No way.
1: Yeah. How crazy is that? I heard that yet this weekend. I was so like, oh, that's, that's so, so if, if a client
0: paints the nails, they, they have um, less chance of, of injury in, in the feet because it, it helps hold everything Only
1: in. Only if it's down to nails, right? I'm just using that as an example.
0: Yeah, but like, I, I know that when I did my first marathon, it, my toe was like falling off. And yeah. it, it went black and, and it was digging in and I've I've weirdly, yeah. feet. But it was horrible, so I'm going to bear that one in mind.
1: Yeah. Like I just heard it on this weekend. I was like, okay. So the principle of that is if your client is struggling with feet pain, that is changing the way that she's running. Yes. And eventually that is going to cause knee issues and hip issues and, and all of those sorts of things. So we need to go to the cause of the issue. What is the cause of the issue? Okay. Is it the feet? Okay. We need to make sure that you've hit it from every angle with the shoes. Like, have you got the soft shoes? Are the shoes too soft? Have they got too much space in them? Uh, Have they not got enough space? Um, Is there anything we can do to tape? Blah, 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 you know, like look at every angle with regards to the feet. You know, maybe it's plantar fasciitis. Maybe she needs to stand on a ball every single morning and roll them out. You can put the ball also in the freezer um, and stand on the ball because that will help increase the blood flow to the bottom of the feet. It really depends on what the issue is with the feet and then you can look at the cause of it and go, okay, so this is the cause, that's causing you to run differently, et cetera, et cetera. Oh,
0: you know, that's really clever because <coughs> excuse me, I um, obviously, like if it's an issue with the feet, then that will obviously send to her knees, hips and so on, and back and so on and so forth because like you say, it will alter how she runs but putting the ball under the feet, just like in, in layman's terms, what would that do for her if she were to roll under a ball under her feet? How would that aid her?
1: Nice. So, yeah. So, um, releasing the soft tissue with the ball is obviously one thing. So, what you want to do is instead of just rolling up and down, if there's a tight spot in the foot and you're like, oh, my God, that's tight when I stand on that bit, wait. Just take some deep breaths, 30 seconds. Wait for the tissue to respond and relax. And then go back to it. And what you're doing by that is you're sending signals to the brain with the nervous system to relax that tissue. But if you just roll up and down like this, you're making the brain aware of it, but it's not got time (laughs) to then release the tissue. So that's number one. And then number two is obviously increasing blood flow, which will increase the rate in which it heals. And then it's just creating space under the foot so that it has more space to uh one because obviously your feet swell when you run right so the fact like the myofascia you're creating more space in the myofascia which therefore means that hopefully she'll experience less pain oh man do you know like i think that is like a really simple
0: tip really man in fact i'm going to bear that in mind myself you know if, if any anything occurs but hopefully she listens to this or if not i'll pass it on um, and it's interesting you mentioned there about, obviously, your shoes, because we again, we've got a couple of clients, especially it'll be in January, embarking upon their running, and they're almost discovering a, um, a new level of pain, whether that's, you know, knees, feet, and again, there's a lot of trial and error, but tightness of shoes, would you say that plays a, a huge role in, in, obviously, foot pain and, and restricting the blood flow, etc.?
1: Yeah, I think like they need to try and lock the heel in the shoe. So there is a way you can tie your laces to lock the heel. If you're new to running, just look on YouTube on like tie your laces to lock the heel or something like that. And therefore meaning it will have the feet will have to do less work. But honestly, I'm not a runner and I just started running. I did a 10K end of last year. And um about four years ago I got hit by a car. And I smashed up my leg and, um, and I thought I'd never be able to run again. I thought, oh, well, I mean, I wasn't a big runner anyway, but the day before I got hit by a car, I did the tough, tough mudder, which was like 10 miles. Um, so essentially building back up my running, I realized that you just have to give it time and make sure that you're not increasing your running by more than eight to 10% volume per week. Um, and manage the knee pain. So let's say you ran on a Monday and it was a bit painful, do some recovery work, do some activation work, try and leave it as long as you possibly can before your second run and just manage that, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. You, yeah, well, yeah. And and I guess this is where that
0: stubbornness comes, isn't it? But you, you have got to manage your own pain threshold and, and learn where to push and pull, really. Um. And I guess on the back of that, if, if a client is almost because um, obviously there's a big thing about mental health at the moment and as there should be and people are in the gym running for their own headspace but when you take that exercise element away and, and they can't perform whatever they want to do how would you advise combating that is it just do something else that itches that scratch or would you say look you know for what it is it's worth just resting completely
1: um I would never rest completely. So if they've got problems with their lower limbs, train your upper body. Yeah. Don't use it as an excuse. I've got a lot of clients often who go, oh, I rested today because of my knee was whatever. And I was like, well, you should have communicated that to me. I'll give you a new workout that inc- includes upper body and some rehab stuff. Because if you break the momentum wheel, the momentum cycle, it becomes more and more difficult to get back on track. If you, if you have an injury, you know, talking to your clients here, if you have an injury, reach out to you and get you to adjust the workout. So, okay, cool, the knee's not right right now, but let's focus on the upper body and we'll give you some uh, some glute activation exercises as an example. So yeah, you're watching, no, yeah, that no, I'm, I'm with you, mate. And yeah. I, I love that because
0: you're sticking as close to being on track as possible then, aren't right? you? Rather than pausing or digressing, it is, look, okay, we've been throwing a curveball, let's work around it. So, Bottom line is
1: keep doing what you're doing. If you can't do it, find another way. Exactly. So like for me, after I did the 10K, I was having some pain in the back of my left knee. Um, never experienced pain before. It was only when I ran. So like play tennis for hours, no problem. Any Any other sport, no problem at all. Only when I was running. And so that gave, and as I say, it gives me the signal. It's not not enjoyable. I don't enjoy being injured. But it gives me the signal to go, there's something bigger happening here. So when I went through my tests, I I tested my range of motion. I got a, a second opinion on it as well. And my lower back is a little bit locked up on the left side. My glute isn't activating enough. So I spent six weeks activating my glute, stabilizing my hips more stabilising my knee and working on my feet strength so that my flat foot on the left isn't arching in so much it can support itself. And now I'm back running and it's completely pain-free. So it gives you an example of like, that is a giving you the the signal, I'm painful here and I should have listened before when it first came in, but because I had a 10K run I was training towards, I thought it would be all right. And I kept trying to recur, uh, like do the recovery work. If I didn't do the recovery work at all, I probably wouldn't have been able to do the 10K, but luckily um, I completed it. But it just shows that no matter what level you're at, things like that will happen. It's about your ability to move around it. So for me, I went away from running, but I carried on my zone two cardio. I did swimming, I did tennis, I did all the things I could play and, and went even harder on my weights when I was injured. So it's always keeping that momentum going no matter what.
0: Yeah, and you're always progressing that way as well. And and mate, like I think obviously when I when I tell clients, you know, the the, the may or may not do it, but obviously coming from yourself, hopefully they will, they will take note that little bit more or to anyone else listening to this. And forgive me, you may have covered this or this may overlap, but somebody asked a question about DOMs and actually should we continue to push through um, or do we actually need to learn to rest? And I guess that links with what with what you were just saying. But I'd love your take on yeah. DOMs and actually if if we are aching, if they're full free, you know, their training frequency is pretty sky high for they've got an event or whatever reason, should they
1: stop at that point? Or again, should they just be constantly moving? Okay. So when it comes to the DOMS, like obviously DOMS are delayed onset muscle fatigue, right? So the muscle is fatigued, yeah, but it really depends on what activity you're doing. So like, Let's say coming back from Christmas. So before Christmas, I had COVID, and I was out for like a week and a half from training. And then obviously we had Christmas, so I had like two and a half weeks off, pretty much, from full out training. And coming back into training, I did split squats with half the weight I did before, and my legs were absolutely smashed up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the body weight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so then it, then it comes down to giving a little bit more rest potentially, but, but also movement's the best possible thing for doms. I'm not saying go in and, and squat the next day, but doing like some leg swings, um, getting your legs moving, doing some mobility, getting your hips moving, doing some 90-90 stretch, things like that. The more movement that gets in there, the more blood flow, which means it's going to flush the um, doms out quicker. Uh, Because ultimately, delayed onset fatigue comes from lactic acid 90% of the time. So there's going to be a buildup of lactic acid and scar tissue. So the best way to get rid of that is either get a massage, which you probably can't afford every two minutes, or like get up, get some stretching in, um, maybe sit on a foam roller, um, and just going out for a nice long walk. And just getting down and literally squatting and holding the squat just to get your body like moving again and then what i normally say to clients when they've got doms is like if it's three days later and they're still feeling it that's because they haven't moved enough in between yeah and so what i say is like that's all right go in do your activation activate your glutes and then go into it um and often they'll have a pb session when that happens
0: yeah yeah of course
1: do you know what I mean? Like, because they've activated properly and they've given it a bit more care and support and then they're like, oh, wow, I actually had a really good workout. Cheers, mate. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because you just got to get got to get them moving a bit. Get moving. So active recovery over being at a standstill, essentially. 100%, yeah. yeah.
0: Love that. Um, and last question from clients that were submitted because you've covered so much, mate. I think there's, there's some absolute gold to be taken here. Um, and I know you mentioned like a tennis ball initially, etc., but... Have you got any tips on reducing stress and tension in shoulders?
1: Um, Yeah, so 100%, like the top of the trap here is where most of the buildup happens. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I can go quite deep into it, but releasing it with a tennis ball is my favorite. Up against the wall, just literally finding the tight spot, hold it, take some deep breaths, let it relax, right? Nervous system thing that I mentioned earlier um obviously i'm happy to share that training with uh with your people as well um and then what you want to look at is the reason the traps get tight is because we're looking forward like this which puts pressure on the traps and our posture is then coming forward and then it creates this poor cycle so then you could look at okay my alarm goes off every hour i stretch. I tuck my chin in, which is reversing what we spend a lot of our time in. Hands behind there, and hold. Take some deep breaths. Spending the time. I've, a lot of the time, I see people stretch and they go like this. Yeah, that will do. They got. They could try and spend. <laughs> yeah, like just try and spend just a little bit of time. Even for me, I hate I hate the feeling of stretching, and I'm sure everyone does. But like, I've just got to really go like 10, 9, I count down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, even if I do it fast, then I'll go, okay, 10, 9, 8, so your brain's busy with something else rather than thinking about the stretch. um So like, you're doing the opposite movement to what is causing the pain. uh And then it really depends on what the shoulder injury is. Is it a rotator cuff injury? um Or is it? Traps tight, pulling the shoulder out position, which is therefore causing the shoulder the shoulder to be in the wrong position, which again is rotator cuff issues.
0: Yeah, and I think I think in this case actually, it, it's the client. So it's, a, it's a little compounding things. It's how she holds herself. um yeah. It's if, if we if we're stressed or whatever. It's it's holding our shoulders up. It's been a yeah. desk job, um, and then it's trying to fit all your training in as well. And I think that that's the thing that's just led to all the tightness, etc. But yeah. Like, if we can just almost reverse what we're doing and just taking our time with it, then that will help, of course. Would you say that, for instance, counting, etc. is a way of making it less boring? Because as soon as I say, look, we need yeah. to do X, Y, and Z stretches, the first thing that comes to mind or that they say is, that's just boring. I can't be all with that. It's just boring. Would you say that, actually, if we can find a way of making it less boring, it
1: will help? Yeah. I mean, you know atomic habits, right? Pair something you have to do with something you already do or you want to do. While I wait for the kettle to boil, I will do X stretch. Yeah, yeah. Before so. I have my coffee in the morning, I will do X, Y, Z stretch. Um, when I get home straight away from work, I will do this stretch and this stretch. Before I get changed for my evening chill-out gear, whatever it might be, you create habits upon habits. And then when you do that consistently, you can undo the issues. Um, and like you say, counting just makes it less, slightly less boring. Yeah, of course. Takes it takes your brain away from the pain because sometimes it can be painful. Like when I go into this position, I put my head back and I tilt, you know, it's painful here. Yeah. Because you've got to think when you count, it does keep your brain away from the pain as well.
0: Yeah, no, mate, I think that's a really good point, and that's something that people should should take note of. Is if we compare the two with, like you say, putting the kettle on, just stretching out a little bit, then it's perfect. It's a win-win. There's almost, I, I guess any excuse is taken away from it, because you're only stood there waiting for the kettle to boil, for instance, aren't you? So it's a nice way of saying, look, for the sake of 30 seconds, just do it. Um, so I have, I have two questions for you now, mate, because like I said, you've covered so much, and it is really, really appreciated. Um, firstly... What are the one to three things that people should be doing to live a pain-free life?
1: Um, I would say habit stack. So we've gone through that already. Building things that you need to do in order to work on imbalances in your body. Now, that is very general and is easy for me to say because I understand what imbalances are, right? Yeah. But it's pretty much, if you've got this posture, you need to try and get this posture. So do the opposite of what issues you have. If you're tight in the chest, you need to try and release the chest, so chest stretches, and strengthen the upper back, right? So you know, doing banded pull-aparts and things like that, have a band at your desk, things like that, so you can undo the issues so they're not getting worse. So habit stacking, essentially, build things you need to do with things that you already do in your life, that's the biggest one, that comes the same with training, comes with nutrition when I food prep, I'm going to watch Friends, whatever it is you like to watch, right? Yeah. means that you do it without thinking about it. So that's one. Two would be, uh, in my, I, I personally love morning mobility, and especially if you're 30, 30 plus, right? Getting mobility done first thing in the morning, because let's say you squatted heavy the day before, you wake up in the morning, you go down to put your sock on and that's 90% of the time where your back will go. Yeah, yeah. It's not the, it's not during the squat because you've already activated and whatever. It's the day after when you go to put your sock on. So getting into the habit, even if it's three or four exercises, first thing when you wake up before you have your coffee, get moving. That's number two. And then number three would be build strength and stability. Yeah. of, of Obviously one, but like, the more strong, the stronger you are. So a lot of people say you need to get flexible, right? Yeah. But if you get flexible without the strength to deal with the the more range of motion that you've just created through getting flexible, you're increasing the risk of injury, not decreasing it.
0: Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. So it's
1: finding the balance between I need to increase my range of motion, but I need to strengthen that range of motion because otherwise i increased range of motion without the ability to stabilize that range of motion. Yeah. So mate. I think that's really important.
0: Yeah. No, mate, I really, really appreciate it. And like I said, there's some serious words of wisdom there. Um, the last question that I will round, um, I was going to say every guest episode off with, but you are the first one. So this will, <laughs> become, this will become a habit. Um, but what does confidence mean to Yanni Sharp?
1: I think confidence ultimately confidence is built through turning up and doing what you said you would.
0: Yes, Matt.
1: For long enough in order to see the results that make you proud and make you feel like you're moving forward. So confidence for me comes... Confidence is the ability to turn up and do what you said you would do. Um, And because you've built up enough of that, you then trust yourself that you'll be there for the people around you. Um, and you'll be there for yourself when shit hits the fan.
0: Oh, mate. Dropping bombs. He's dropping bombs. I absolutely love that. Um, mate, I think you've absolutely hit just about every nail on the head there. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for that, for your time, for your effort, for your energy, mate. I'm sure people will be able to take an absolute abundance away from it.
1: Yeah, mate. No, I really I, I really enjoy it. I always enjoy this form of chatting to people. So, um, yeah, mate, appreciate you and uh, appreciate you for um, inviting me on. And uh, we'll obviously keep in touch.